Everybody say this after me. I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. We're on a series entitled Health and Healing, and I've made this comment to you a number of times that we are not the sick trying to get well. We're the healed, and we're learning how to walk in that healing, receive the healing, receive from God what he's already done for us. And healing isn't just a physical thing. Healing is in every realm, every area. Amen? It's not just a physical thing. Not, healing doesn't have to do with just physical ailments. It's a mindset. It's the way we think. Say it again. I am healed. <clears throat> we are the healed today in Christ Jesus. God, his plan, his will is, God's will is that you live a long and a healthy and a prosperous life in everything that you do. 3 John verse 2 says, Above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, as your thinking changes, as your mind gets in line with what God's promises truly are to our lives. If, if a person... If a person is presented the gospel, I mean a, a, a fair presentation of the gospel, God is a just God. God didn't create hell for people. Do you understand that? He created hell for the devil and his demons. Amen? He didn't create hell for people. But hell becomes a destination when people reject God and reject what he desires. So, if a, if a person is presented the gospel in a, in a really clear way, they're giving, given opportunity, and, and a person rejects that, and a person dies, and they go to hell, was God pleased with that? Was that God's will for that person? Many people ask the question, you know, why had somebody this week asked me the question based on what other people have asked them, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And, you know, that, that question's been asked to me uh, a, a, a lot of times. Why, why, does ba- why do bad things happen to any people? In other words, why would God allow bad to happen to any human being? It's an honest question, and it's a question that many people have, and it's a question not answered in many people's lives that keep them from serving God. But the number one reason that God allows bad things to happen is because he created us with a will. We have the ability to choose. And... um, Not everybody likes that, and not everybody likes that answer, but there's no other thing that was created that was created with a will like you and I because we were created in his image. We were created like him, and he gave us the ability to choose. 
And he will not stop any human being from not choosing his will. Um, in, um, we read it a lot around here, we have lately anyway, 1 Timothy 2, I'll just read verse 3 and 4. It says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people, all men, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. His desire is that everybody be saved. So why wouldn't God step in and keep someone from their destination being hell? Because the Bible is real clear. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. I can't change that. You know, I, I'm not going to have some, some long, knock-down, drag-out argument with somebody that doesn't, that, that doesn't believe that that's true. You know, there are a lot of people today in the Christian world that doesn't believe there's a devil and do not believe that in hell. There's a lot of people in the Christian world. I, I, I go, you know, I don't go a lot of places, but a, a number of the places that I've gone, I've, I've met a lot of people, a lot, not just a few, a lot of people that don't believe in hell and don't believe that there's a devil. And you know what? You can believe that. You have a free will to believe there's no hell and no devil. And yet the Bible's full of it. And these are Christian people that have Bibles and have the word taught to them, but yet because of a lot of information that's out there, we live in an information highway out there, there's a lot of information convincing people of certain things in the Bible that are not true. And you say, well, I thought we were talking about health and healing. I am. I am talking about things that keep us from being able to receive. It's God's will for you to be saved. If it's his will for you to be saved, it's his will for you to be healed. If it's will for you to be healed, it's his will for you to be delivered because it's a package thing. And if a person chooses to go to hell, a person can choose not to to position themselves to receive health and healing in their bodies, in their minds, in their emotions. God wants us free to be free people, liberated and free in every way. And tonight, <clears throat> we've looked at four different individuals. I started the series out telling you that in Jesus' ministry, there were 19 recorded healings. There were thousands of people that were healed in his ministry, but only 19 individual healings that were recorded. In Scripture, there were several accounts of it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In, in some cases, there's three accounts of the same healing. Other cases, there's two. And then the one we're reading tonight, we're just going to look at one tonight because uh, I, as I was studying this, I was really compelled to look at some things about this man that's talked about in John chapter 4. And uh, so we've looked at four healings, and this is the fifth. And... Um, um, <clears throat> actually I just want to I'm going to start in scripture We're going to, I'm going to read it through uh, it's about uh, how many verses scripture is that it's about where is it oh it's eight, eight verses of scripture and I'm going to read it in the New King James and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified and we're going to kind of break it down in the Amplified but John chapter 4 and verse 46 
So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. Remember the, remember the first miracle of Jesus' earthly ministry was, was turning the water into wine. You remember his mother told his disciples, the, peop- the men that were with him, he said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And there's not been any greater words spoken in Scripture than those right there. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Huh? I mean, can you, can you imagine those guys? He tells them, go pour water. They're out of wine. And he says, go pour water into the, the, the wine barrels. Water? What's that going to do? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Produced. Right? Made absolutely no sense. You don't pour water into wine barrels to get wine. But you do when Jesus says so. Amen? Whatever he tells you to do, you do it, and it'll produce. So here he is back in Capernaum where this miracle took place. Actually, when we go to Israel, when that trip manifests, when we go to Israel, we're going to spend some time around where this actually happens. Really a cool place. How many have been to Israel and where this happened? Yeah where his first miracle, did, did you go to that place where the first miracle was with the wine? Where they think it was? Yeah. It's probably 14 different people think it's in different places, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, but it's, it's really cool, and, but it's, it's great because when you go to Israel and you go to these different places, there are things set up to be able to kind of gather around and talk about what the scriptures say, and there you are right where he was. I mean, it's life-changing, literally. I didn't think it would be the first time I went, but it literally changed things in me when I went. So that means when you hear the, when we, when we can actually get international flights and you hear about it, you need to sign up for the trip. Anyway, what was I doing? So, Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman. The Amplified uh, defines that word as, as, as a man of royalty, a very well-to-do man, a uh, very educated man, man of great influence, okay, um, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my, uh, sir, come down before my child dies. In other words, come to my house before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. Remember, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he, and he himself believed and his whole family, his whole family, in other words, got saved. I mean, because don't think that this happened here. He went to the cross and went on. I'm telling you, this nobleman 
right? This man of royalty, he and his whole household served God all the days of their life. I'm believing that because nobody could do anything for this man's son. He was at the point of death. Nobody. And he himself believed in his whole household. This, again, is the second sign that Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Now, I want to I look at this um, in the Amplified. I want to read this and kind of break the, a few of these scriptures down as, as we go through this. But <clears throat> you see, this is one of, I, I mentioned to you that there were 10 of the 19 manifested miracles where in one way or another Jesus said, or it was, it was shown, and this is one of them, that their faith had made the person whole. Remember we talked about, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the man on the stretcher, and Jesus looked at, at the four men and the man on the stretcher and said, your faith has made you whole. The faith of all of them together, getting the man up on the roof and down through the roof, and the belief, I mean, the man on the stretcher allowing, the man on the stretcher allowing these four guys there's a crowd everywhere, people everywhere, and they're busting a hole in this guy's roof and lowering him down. There had to be faith in that guy to allow those four guys to take him to the roof. They, 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 a lot of people would have come to the house, seen the crowd, no way to get in. Well, let's just go to the house. What happens? Don't receive your healing. It was the faith there, the faith here, the man believed. And so 10 of those 19 were the result of their faith, but the other nine... You, you see either their faith level ri rising to another level because Jesus believed, or you see faith in action in one form or another. And, I, and I'm pointing that out in each one of these that we look at because uh, I want you to realize that it's not enough to know that God will heal. You have to know that he will heal you, right? And, and for you to know that he heals you it has to be developed inside of you that he's already healed you. That's what we have to get a hold of. That's what's not just taught anywhere. That's, not, that's what most people don't realize when they're waiting on God. And, and I promise you, you will never wait on God for anything. You, you'll never wait. God is actively in motion, but he knows what's best for you. He knows the end of your life or the end of a situation from right here, and he knows what you need internally to be able to receive what he's already done for you and for that to be manifested. So he's a patient God, but he's never late, and he never comes up short no matter what anybody on planet Earth thinks. He never has, never will. He can't. It's impossible. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I said? It's impossible. So, say this again. I am healed. You and I are already the healed. We're not sick people trying to get where. Well, we are already healed. Amen. So, I want, you to, I want you to think of a couple things as we go through this passage, and I'm going to look at another passage in the Old Testament um, in a moment as we go about halfway down in the, in the Amplified Bible uh, in John chapter 4. We're going to look at another passage of another man that almost lost his healing. And, 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 and I want to focus on 
some things that I think are key to why people don't receive. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's not the obvious why people don't receive. And we're talking about health and healing, but I'm talking about health and wholeness in your soul where your mind, your will, your emotions are concerned. You have to think correctly. And, and, and a lot of times there are things that seem apparent to why you're not receiving. You know, why is God not doing? God's already done. The question is, why am I allowing things in my life to remain? Well, most people allow things to remain because they don't really know that they're there. One of the, one of the greatest killers of receiving in life is pride. And most people don't think they have any pride. That's pride itself. Most people don't think they have pride because most people really don't know what pride is because it's not taught. You can we live in a society, a world today, that you can think however you want to think. You're free to do whatever you want to do, and you are. You're free to think, do, act, you know, act out, say anything. You can, you can criticize anybody. You can be ugly to people. But, but the deal is, the Word of God has already been set up in this life, you see? And the Word of God already has its standards, and it doesn't change and become more relative to the times that we're living in. The Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It lasts forever. So all these things are set up, and so you can do whatever you want to do, but you get in pride and you think more highly of yourself than the Bible says you should think of yourself, then you put yourself in a very dangerous position of not receiving the promises of God. And when the promises of God that have already been taken care of and laid out for you are not working for you, you're in a dangerous place. I was talking to somebody today that is in business for themselves and and they have different customers and suddenly they said, you know, I've had people that haven't come back to, to their trade that haven't come back for seven months. They're just hiding out in their houses. Why? Afraid. Afraid of what? Afraid of a disease that is no different than the flu. We're talking about a virus that is no different than the common flu. That I, I mean, you know what? In days past, if you were around somebody that you could tell had symptoms of flu type symptoms, I mean, wouldn't you just normally stay 6 to 8 to 10, 12 feet away? Huh? You have to be told by the government to stand 6 feet away when you know somebody's got some kind of symptom or something's wrong? I know lots of people that would get on airplanes because they don't know where the people have been who would put masks on. People did that for years. And yet, you got people hiding out in a bunker, afraid that something's going to get on their body and, and, and take them out when himself took our infirmities, he carried our diseases away, and by his stripes, we're healed. 
And God's not freaked out about any virus in, 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 in our country or anything else. I mean, there's doctors everywhere saying that there are certain things going on in the, in, in the world have nothing to do with the coronavirus that say that there, there is no, there's no cure for it. There's no antibiotic that, is, that can handle certain diseases and things that are in different parts of the world. There's, there's no antibiotic they're able to create that's going to take care of that. I've had doctor friends of mine tell me they've gone to seminars saying that in future diseases and things that are coming, man, it's like their hands are like this. They have no clue what they're going to do about, about antibiotics to, to ward off different types of diseases that come against the body because there's nothing left to fight it off with. We have this. <laughs> what it's coming down to is getting our resources from the true healer. Right? From the one that really heals. Not against anything else. Thank God for doctors and scientists and people and whatever they're building or whatever. I I don't know. And, you know, some some of that stuff, I don't know that I want to put some of that stuff in my body. I, I, I don't know. But I know this. Every day, all throughout the day, I take the medicine of the word and I apply it in my body. Because Proverbs 3 said that his word is medicine to all of my flesh. All my flesh. Every part of my flesh. Every part of my flesh, the word of God is medicine to if I apply it. If I don't apply it, it won't work. It won't work just because he said that's what it is. I've got to believe it. And we have to be people that are applying. We have to be. That's our part. He's done the work. Now we have to receive it by applying what he tells us to do. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever. One of the great promises in in God's word is he watches over his word to see that his word is performed. What word is that? In the earth... You, you think God's watching over his word in heaven to make sure that his, he, that his word is performed in heaven? It's being performed all the time. I guess, I guess he is. But he's talking about the word that we're putting in our mouths, coming in our ears, getting down in our heart that we believe. He's making sure that what we're putting out there and we're developing our belief system in, he's making sure that's coming to pass in everything that we do. You will never be left out of receiving what you're applying. Never. You'll never be left out. You'll never, well, you know what, we, it, we just didn't have time for that one. Never. Ever. Everybody say ever. ever. God sent his word and he healed everyone. Amen? God sent his word and healed us. <clears throat> This is his, it's his way, it's his will, and it'll never change. I'm so grateful and thankful for it. Um, so I, I want to, I wanna, as, as I read through this, you just kind of follow with me on this and I... Um, 
I, I want to look at this guy, this man of royalty. Verse 30, or 45. Verse 46 of John 4. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was lying ill in Capernaum. Having heard that Jesus had come back from Judah into Galilee, he went away to meet him and began to beg him to come down to cure his son, for he was lying at the point of death. This man... This man's son was lying at the point of death. So, like I said before, he was a noble man of royalty, a man of influence. Um, a man that probably, now, now, now where he was, where this man was, if you look, if you, uh, I, I looked this up and looked on a map, this man was probably about 15 to 20 miles away, Okay? So this man of royalty that had servants and had what probably everything that he needed in life wouldn't be known to go and follow after and, and try to find somebody like Jesus. He would maybe send a servant or he'd send someone else. But he wouldn't be one to go and get Jesus to come to his house. But desperate times call for des desperate measures. And his son is at the point of death, and he's heard reports that something's happening. So this man probably walked 20 miles. This man of royalty probably walked 20 miles to find Jesus. And um, he's telling him that he's about dead. And I want you to notice, I like the Amplified here because... Something I like about this guy is I like the tone of his voice. You have to read it a few times to realize you can hear the tone of this man's voice. Okay? But, but, but let, let's back up and look at this. Um, so, having heard that Jesus had come back from Judea into Galilee, he went away to meet him and began to beg him to come down to cure his son, for he was lying at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and miracles happen, you people never will believe. You'll never trust or have faith at all. And the king's officer pleaded with him, sir, everybody say, sir, sir, do come down at once. Before my little child is dead. I feel like that there was an attitude of respect that this man had for this carpenter's son. He had, a, he had an attitude of respect that he wouldn't normally show to somebody like this. But there's something that he saw and had heard and believe that he would walk 15 to 20 miles to bring him back to his house to heal his son because of the miracles that he had heard happen. Remember, these 19 miracles or manifestations of people's body of healing, 
you know, th- there were, th- that wasn't all the healings because there are pass- places in the scripture where it says that multitudes were healed. The masses were healed, right? So thousands of people were healed. So this man heard of these things. And, and you know, the Bible doesn't talk about probably how stirred up that part of the world had gotten because of the healings and the manifestations. But I'm telling you what, when people are being healed by the droves, by the thousands, I mean, there's word getting out, even though if there isn't CNN and Fox News and the Internet. You understand? I mean, word is getting out that if you want something to happen, you got to go to where he is. And that man walked somewhere between 15, 20 miles to get there, or maybe he was on a donkey or wherever. He went a long way himself. He didn't send his servants. He went a long way because he believed that this man had something. So there was an attitude of respect here that I see in this man. He said, sir, do come down at once before my little child is dead. You know what Jesus was saying right before that was? It's like, man, you people, unless you see miracles, you'll never believe. Unless you see it first, if you see it happen, then you're going to believe. That's putting the cart before the horse where faith is concerned. Faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of the thing I don't see yet. True? Right? And so he makes that statement. And you know what? That man... He heard what he said, but he stayed with him. Sir, please just come to my home. My son is at the point of death. Probably when he left, I mean, you know, how far is it to comfort from here? Comfort? It's about 15, about 15 16 miles. So, so about the journey this man would have gone. I mean, Joe, if you headed out right now to comfort, it'd take you about a day to get there, right? I mean, isn't that about right? Wouldn't it take you, or maybe half a day, I don't know, what, about eight hours to get to, if you walked to comfort? Four hours? Okay, have you walked it? <laughs> okay, there we go. He figured it out. Half a day, okay? Or not even half a day, uh, four hours, five hours, whatever, to get to comfort. That, that's a power walk. So that guy was power walking, I promise you. So, so he probably made it in three and a half. Anyway, it was a long way to go for that man, but that man believed in something. You understand what I'm saying? When I, when I started the service out tonight and I said, you know what, you play a big part in the anointing flowing tonight by you believing that the word is going to be life-changing and do something in your life. We have to join our faith, not just show up. But, but put our faith out for what it is that we're hearing. But he said, sir, do come down at once before my little child is dead. Jesus answered him, go in peace. Your son will live. No, Jesus, I want you to come to my house. There's no evidence. He's 15, 20 miles from his boy. There's no evidence that his son is going to be well. Now, coming right back to that, but I'm going to the Old Testament. 
with another story, and I don't have a long time on it, so I'm just going to, just going to, I'm just going to kind of hurry it up and then just read about three verses or four verses. So we're going to look at, at the man Nahum who was a, like a five-star general in the army of Syria. And he was a strong man. He was a submitted man. He, he was faithful to his king, to the king of Syria, but he was a leper. And his army, his army, I'm just, I'm, I'm just rushing the story up, but his army uh, raided a lot of cities, camps, towns, outside of big cities. He would raid a lot of camps. And they would bring prisoners and bring the spoil and prisoners in. And one time they bring, um, there's this one time that they raid this camp and they bring an Israeli girl, young girl, as, as a prisoner. And she says, she sees the leprosy on his body and says, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal you. He goes to his king and tells him, says, you know, what this girl said. He sent a letter. He sent a letter to the king of Israel saying, we hear that you can heal. Well, the king says, not me. And then Elisha finds out, Elisha the prophet finds out about it. And, and when he hears this, he, he sends word for this guy to come. So Nahum comes and brings a, one of his servants with him, and, or several of them, and they come to Elisha's house. And when he gets to the house, Elisha doesn't come out. He sends a servant out. And the servant comes out and says, Elisha the prophet told me to tell you, go dip seven times in the Jordan River and your body and your skin will be healed. Seven times in the Jordan, and your skin will be well. And Nahum, well, let me, let's read what Nahum said. Verse 11 of 2 Kings 5. Just follow it. I'm going to read four verses here. So you get the gist of what's just happened, Okay. The prophet sends a servant out. He didn't come out. But he tells the servant what to tell him because the prophet's going to do what the father said. Father said, don't go out. You send your servant. Watch this. But Nahum became furious. This is a man with leprosy. He's coming to be healed. He's been told that healing will manifest in his body if he goes to the prophet. He goes to the prophet, right to the prophet's house. Right to his front door. But Elisha didn't come out. Man, this guy's ticked. He said, and he went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abanan and the far, far, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Remember what Mary's words were to those disciples? Whatever 
he tells you to do, do it. What's this called? Pride. I know better. I don't want to do it that way. I don't want these things. I don't want things to be like this. I want my healing to come my way. I want whatever in my life to come my way. I don't want to do it God's way. So he turned. Could I not wash? So he turned and he went away in rage, not well. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, in other words, this is a man of great rank in the Syrian army. He's the head over all of the Syrian armies. I mean, he's a man very well respected. And these are servants saying to him, Father or leader or sir, they're coming in this way. If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have done it? How much more then when he says for you to wash and be clean? For you to wash and be clean. So he went and he down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child and he was clean. His, ser- his servant stepped in. He, he had a change of heart. Had to be repentance involved here. And he went and did what the man of God said, even though it was secondhand. There's a whole other message and story in that one. But I want to show you, that wasn't the case here with the man, the nobleman, as he came to see healing for his son. So in John 4, I want to finish these, these few verses. Um, again, the king's officer pleaded with him, Sir, do come down at once before my little child is dead. Jesus answered him, Go in peace, your son will live. Now watch this. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said, and he started home. Remember, no evidence, no nothing. Started home. Hmm? So, come here, Joy. Stand right here. And start walking home. Just start walking. Okay. So here he goes. Here's the nobleman. He's starting home. Here he goes. Hmm. Okay. What do you think that nobleman is doing? Oh, my God. Is what he said true? Is it really going to happen? Is this going to happen? Go ahead. You can, you can come all the way around over here. <clears throat> is this real? No. He, he walked home. You know what? No, 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 no. Thoughts come to his mind. No, 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 no. Shut that down. No, 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 no. The man of God said he's well. Then I know my son is well. He's walking. Look at him. He's just walking. He's walking. He's going to the house. He's walking. He's walking. But what's coming out of his mouth in his journey, in your and my journey to receive health and healing, we have to declare what God said was so. You can sit down. Thank you. You understand? 
Everybody's on a journey. Everybody. Everybody has a journey of health and healing. And listen, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right? If it was simple, everybody would do it. It's not simple. I mean, there's great simplicity in what God tells us to do, but it's not easy. Because you have to stay with it. What did it say this guy did? Jesus said, go in peace, he'll live. The man put his trust in what Jesus said, and he started home. But even as he was on the road going down, his servants met him and reported saying, your son lives. Why? Because the man believed what Jesus said. I'm telling you tonight, God's no respecter of person. He watches over his word. Amen? And what I'm saying over my body every day, even when I don't feel bad, what I say over my body every day is medicine to all of my flesh. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, everything in between, everything is well in my body today in the name of Jesus. I promise you, you can't take anything in the natural that has the impact that the Word has if you believe it. But you're not going to believe it the moment you start it. That's why you got to keep declaring it. So that it changes the way you think. You get well in your thinking. And what you're saying you know is coming to pass on, your, on behalf of your body. I don't care if it takes two weeks, two months, two years, 20 years. God is faithful to his word. That man started home. And before he got home, his servants told him. And then he asked his servants. So what time was that? Well, the fever left at this certain time, and the man knew. That was right when Jesus said, it's well with your son. He's well. He'll live. Everything's good. Amen? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Nahum said, man, you know who I am. I came here for the prophet to come and touch me. Wave his hand or do something. You don't touch lepers, so maybe you don't want to touch me, but just wave your hand and get rid of this mess. Uh-uh. Nothing that God does ever is separated from teaching us how to humble ourselves under his mighty hand so that he can exalt us in, in supernatural ways. Man, when you receive healing and you received it God's way, how much more can you help people receive in their lives? There are things that block our healing. And I'm telling you, the number one thing is pride. And not doing things the way God tells us to do it. One of the things that happened to me early on in, in my walk with God, one of the things that happened with me was that I heard teaching like this, and I just, I mean, I went, I went, I, I, I I got rid of anything that even looked like medicine. I said, God, I'm believing God. And I'm going to believe him for everything. You know, I wouldn't take aspirin. I wouldn't take nothing. I mean, I wouldn't do anything. And, and one day, God, God showed me. It wasn't that, some, that, that that wasn't working, but I had an attitude about it. I had an attitude about what I thought I had such great faith for. And before something could really hammer me 
and, and, and before I allowed myself to be set up to not be able to receive healing and health in my body and be attacked in my body, God showed me, you need to get rid of that attitude. Because it's not about what you take or don't take. It's what you're developing on the inside of you. Never judge people for what they do. You know, somebody, uh, I mean, I used to, I, I've had many people say, you know, to me, like, right here I have a pair of glasses in my pocket. Well, if, you know, if you're healed, then why are you wearing those glasses? Well, why don't you just shut up? No, <laughs> no but, I mean, I mean, if you're healed, then why do you wear glasses? You don't know what I say. You don't know what I do. If you notice, they've been in my pocket the whole time. I've had no trouble seeing, um, uh, seeing Brian right there and then Sandra over here. No, no I, 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 I've had no trouble seeing anything, seeing what I'm doing here. When my eyes get tired, I put, I'll put them on because, because I need that. But I'm speaking over my eyes every day. I speak to the retina of my eye. I declare I have no cataracts. There's no degeneration in my eyes. Everything is healthy and whole. If Moses could see at 120, Burt Wimberly can see at 61. Amen? And see clearly. Moses didn't have glasses. And he saw till he was 120, his eyes were clear, his ears were clear, his natural forces in his body had not gone away, everything was strong in his body. Me too, God's no respecter of person, right? But it depends on what you believe for. If you don't believe for those kind of things, then it's just not gonna, you're not going to trip over it. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us well but he wants us believing that it's his will for us to be well. The same way it's his will for us to be saved, it's his will for us to be well. In our physical bodies, in our minds, in our emotions, in everything that we do. How many believe that today? <clears throat> and I just... <clears throat> and, and, and just one other thing about the man of royalty that I like. If you notice in Jesus' conversation with him... Um, Jesus never drew attention to who that man was. There was no attention drawn to that. Probably he looked different than everybody else. He probably dressed different than everybody else. But there was no, but, but Jesus is no respecter of person. He was looking, what drew Jesus to that man in listening in his spirit was he was a man of faith. He, he was believing. He walked 15, 20 miles to get to Jesus to hear what he had to say and to ask him to come to his house. But when, when Jesus said, no, he's well, that man didn't argue with him, he didn't say a thing, but Jesus didn't show any preferential treatment to this man other than the fact that he, he came to him after he said, man, you people aren't going to believe unless you have miracles. No, this man said, you come to my house, I believe that you can heal this man, my, my son. He, he, he found faith in the man. And that's why that man's son was healed. And it's no different for you and I today. Can you, can you say amen to that? How many believe that today? It's no different for you and I. We are the healed in Christ Jesus. And what God did for this noble man's son, for this man of royalty, for this man's son, God will do for you and I because he's no respecter of person. He's a respecter of developed faith. No pressure, just develop it. There's no pressure. You don't have to become something overnight. Just develop it. It's amazing when you start developing it, 
you find yourself in a difficult situation, you find out how much faith you really have to receive. It's amazing how it works that way.